What's up, everybody? We're back. We have a guest. Mr. Paul Winterhalter. Hello. Thank you for having me. Good to have you here, man. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought it'd be cool to have Paul on because he's, he's got such a, a unique background and actually his current situation is unique um, given that we're based in Southern California and he's originally from the East Coast, but I mean, we can get into all that, but if we yeah, where, to, where are you from? Yeah, originally from Massachusetts, so uh, South Coast, Mass, Dartmouth. Yeah, it's pretty close to uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of right along the uh, the coast there. I thought Paul would be super interesting. Um, just I've always been uh, enamored and and uh, recognizing what an enigma like Dartmouth was. Yeah. And I know it's I know it's a long time ago for you, but the fact that you you were brought up in that program mm-hmm. um, under Tom Angst. And uh, the fact that uh, you ended up on the West Coast. It's pretty random. Yeah, and now <laughs> working for Yamaha, which we'll get yeah. into in a little bit. Yeah. But uh, So what's your background musically? Like, give me the... Started? So, yeah, started in uh, fourth grade, went into middle school, did some parades, nothing crazy, and then... High school got into the more competitive marching band kind of thing. And what and, was your instrument like of choice? Uh, was it just rudimental drumming? Rudimental drumming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Drum I was set always, in there? Mm, not as much as I would have liked. To. Actually, can you talk a little bit about the the curriculum? Because when you oh, say yeah. when you say parades, and what, what, did you say fourth grade? Fourth grade. Yeah. 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 So, so I guess yeah. That's because that, you're still under Tom Ox at that point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which which this is the part that's super fascinating for me, and I think anybody on the West Coast yeah. is that. Um, if you're into the marching arts and you're into the, the whole the whole indoor thing, yep. and you know Dartmouth just comes to play every year, and um, realizing that if you're in fourth grade, you have Tom Angst as your yeah. instructor all the way through uh, until you high graduate school graduation. High school, yeah, yeah, yeah and much. that is such it's an anomaly yeah. and a unique thing yeah. in, in this activity. It's like a beautiful indoctrination or something. It's like you just get <laughs> wonderfully brainwashed into the whole like Tom, his way of looking at things. Yeah. Tom has Tom has a few ways to explain it, but he he'll usually say if you like him it's a good thing. If you don't it's a bad thing because then you're stuck with him for like eight years. <laughs> good thing most of the students usually end up liking him. So that's he, cool. No problem. It's there, great but, to be yeah. polarizing, it's, right? Yeah. It's you a don't dictatorship. Be like, yeah. Yeah. No, so he yeah he um really kind of special situation that he's built through the years is he gets the students in fourth grade um, and they can kind of choose their instrument at that time. And, you know, when they choose percussion, it's kind of under him. Um, so there, at the time I was there, there was four or five elementary schools that fed into one middle school. Um, and then obviously that one middle school feeds into one high school. So already there, it's, such a different thing than what California has, right? You, you talk about, a, or even like Texas, right? You talk about Texas has like 10 middle schools that feed into like five high schools. It's, it's mm. just very different. It's very kind of a smaller town kind of feel. And I think he, he kind of uses that to his advantage. So he, like I said, his students come in in fourth grade, they choose percussion. A lot of kids don't normally stay because then they figure out, you know, how much the band practices and they say, well, I, I want to play football and they're going to go and do that, mm-hmm. that thing. So, um, but the kids that do stay, you know, like I said, go all the way through middle school with him, all the way through high school. And then at, at that time in middle school, he usually jokes and says, yeah, you're going to be my, my snare drummer. You're going to be my center snare drummer in five years. So then he starts to kind of groom them. And, you know, they do percussion ensemble. They do um, concert band and all that sort of stuff too. So he's he's in there in the trenches all, wow. all so throughout. So does he become like your drum dad? He is. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways. You see him more than you see your parents, man. It's, it's crazy. It's, Cause yeah. What's fourth grade? Eight years old? Seven? Got nine. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. Nine. 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 Yeah. yeah. So you see him more than you see your parents, especially when you get into the high school. It's like, all right. Right. So just, just to go back a little bit when you said, yeah, I did some parades when I was in fourth grade. <laughs> The context is completely different than yeah. if if I said I did some parades in fourth grade because like yeah, it's Tom Arms is yeah. your me. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's I like, yeah the, the yeah. world champion you know percussion god yeah. of the nineties is uh, yeah he's my teacher. We're actually joking because a lot of the people and the parents don't really know 
they know Tom, right? Oh, yeah, okay, the band's been really good. They know him. They kind of brush it off because they, they're familiar with him. But they don't know Tom like we know Tom Hanks, right? what, what year were you in uh, fourth grade? What year is this? Uh, so 2006 was my freshman year. So five, four, three. is like 2002 maybe. Okay, yeah. 2001. Yeah, because I, I got into, into Tom's stuff um, like I guess everybody did in, in 89 yep. with the Les Mis book. Um, just blew my mind. Never heard anything like it. It's like the guy was just saving it up, <laughs> knowing, you know, knowing that he would get that job at some point and just unleashed yeah. the beast. And it was amazing. And how would you describe his like overall aesthetic? I, I, don't, even, I don't even know. He's very... He's, if I had to put a word to it, I know it's music, but I'd say it's geometrical. Oh, is how I hear it. So now, I, when I, I translate these, in, that into drummers, the first name that comes to mind is Chad Wackerman. Is there any relation to that sort of lots of hemiolas and, and kind of angular? I don't know if he's, I wouldn't put him into hemiola land, but okay. angular, yeah, but not obnoxiously. Like he's, He's Are you saying some Chad Wackerman's obnoxious? <laughs> <laughs> no, just because, just, you know, when you say some, somebody's angular, I think he's angular when he's allowed to be. Okay. Like he's certainly, there's some, he's written some of the smoothest stuff out there. Um, oh, okay. And uh, he just he just has a way. I don't know. I can't. Well, it's I, funny you say that because kind of how my mind works, having gone through playing all his books those years is like, okay, you... By the time I was a senior in high school, it was a center snare of the drum line. And, you know, you get the book for indoor. You, you, it's like this time of the season, right? They get the music, he's writing it. And we're with the snare tech. And then he comes in and brings the new, like the closer, right? Here's the closer snares. Can we, like, let's start learning this. Mm-hmm. And by the time you're a senior, it's like you're not even, it's like reading a book, right? You're not like, and then the tree. It's like, okay, I'm just reading. So oh, you get the music and it's it's like natural. So it's like point. a language that you learn? Yeah, it is. Aren't some of the symbols in like Japanese and Chinese, like they're kind of represent phrases in a way? Right. Is it kind of like that? Yeah, I, w- I, would, I would say that's a good reference. I, you I, kinda, not that I could speak Japanese or Chinese, but <laughs> I remember- uh, You're all fluent in Mandarin. Yeah. I was with um, some friends of mine, this is in, oh geez, 93 maybe? Um, and they had some of the music laying around. And it was maybe just because of where I, where I came from mentally, just in the way I write and the, the books that I played. I was a student of, a student of, God, student. I'm a student. Too much coffee. Um, a student of, of Hardiman at that point. Yeah. And so I felt like I could read his books well and like I knew what was happening. I could yeah. see the foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, I, I got in front of an Onks book and I was, those paradiddle patterns and the way he would write and everything this is my perception back then and I'm sure he's changed a little bit, but um, there's all of these strategic paradiddle oh, yeah. patterns that seem completely random, like nonsense. And then when you hear it played as intended, it's this long, beautiful phrase that, oh, I get it. Yeah. It makes sense. But trying to learn note by note, like you said, I, I was I was literally going, it, the, <laughs> yeah. when... <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't just fluidly get through it. It's funny, man. I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I have the same exact experience. Like, so I I went through high school obviously with Tom and graduated. And at that time, the people that were very influential for me were all drum corps people, all guys that went went through the cadets or whatever, and mostly the cadets, I would say, because the year after I graduated, my senior year, I, I auditioned at the cadets, and at that time, Colin was still writing for them. So I was doing my senior year at Dartmouth. Um, finishing up WGI and then still auditioning for the, you know the cadets. So I was kind of learning that music at the same time I was finishing the show. And um, you know when I got in front of Colin's music for the first time, I was like, "Damn, I can't, I can't play this. I can't read it. It was so foreign to me, wow. especially because he still handwrites, which was an art that I was never used to. It was so different." I struggled so much my first year in drum corps because it was I was out of my element so much, just like you were saying. It was kind of yeah. that's so interesting. I don't really uh, hear this subject touched on in quite this way relative to somebody's style or like yeah. general aesthetic. Because yeah. I think it, a couple things popped into mind. Like one, if I ever have to sing melodies that I didn't write, 
that happens. Yeah. Because it's like the way words are fit into melodies and certain interval jumps that are in places that you're not used to. Right. And then I remember I took one lesson with Chad Wackerman. And when I went in there, I think it was maybe a year out of high school or something. I went in and he's like, let's just, let's do like groupings of five and work on this. And it was, you know, I'd come out of playing with you and I felt really comfortable and confident in my hands and stuff. And the pattern he had me play was right, left, right, right, left mm. for fives. And it felt so awkward. I couldn't do it. And I was like, he's going to think I'm a complete idiot. Because <laughs> I was used to going right, left, right, left, left. Change it to right, right, left. I just think of it as bop, 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 bop. Yeah, right. That's yeah. actually what fixed me. Once right. I thought of that, hand, I was yeah. like, ah, it's da 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 But at first, like with him watching me, I was like, eh. And it's just sort of this different <laughs> language. And that's the way he always yeah. plays fives. Interesting. But I was thinking yeah. about like, uh, I was just watching a video of um, Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. Is the one with the acoustic guitar where he's just standing there? Anyways, go. No, it was it was just uh, Sultans of Swing. Okay, and just something that is so natural for him. He just plays it like it's just you know rolling out. It's for someone else to try to learn that. Yep. I mean, it's a completely different language on guitar, and it's it is the same thing. Yeah. That's really the same. The other thing I thought of was there was a song that had a, kind of an intricate, but I thought pretty simple finger style thing. It was like da do da do da do kind of in threes. And another producer ended up producing the song <clears throat> and this legendary um, session guy on guitar had to play it and he had me send him the stems. He's like, I can't figure it out. And what he said was, everybody's finger style playing is like completely different. Yeah. It's super idiosyncratic. You all, you have your own little habits and ways that you, patterns you do that it's impossible to just... But the ability is still there, right? Yeah. It's just a matter of how different it is. And it's like, ah, like I could play flams or we could do the fingering and whatever it is on, yep. the, on, the, on the guitar, but it's like how their style is influencing it is you got to, you're not used to it. Yeah. There's but like your this ability foundation there. of patterns. Yeah. And then there's the thing. Yeah. It's crazy. It's weird. Anyways. Yeah. The, uh, the interesting thing about it is, is also curious to get your, your take on this, but, coming out of that program, being mm -hmm. trained, I mean, just saturated in that very unique, as far as we are concerned on the West Coast, a very yeah. unique East Coast style, yeah. which, which is Tom. Um, and then you ended up at Cadets, but yeah. um, in your experiences out here or anywhere else, you, yeah. you said you lived in Ohio. Yep. And you I, did indoor? I did indoor, yeah. So I did Rhythm X for two years. Right. So then that was kind of... Fast forwarding a little bit. So I did two years at Cadets and then left and then went to Crown because there was a guy that was teaching, my friend Dean, who was a quad tech, who was a killer quad player at Blue Devils, was, uh, lives in Ohio, March Rhythm X, and was teaching at Crown. So I wanted to follow him there. I wanted to be a student of his. So went to Crown, um, and I think it was my first year or second year there, kind of in between, I, I started doing Rhythm X. So I got that experience in, in WGI at a uh, world-class level. And uh Again, very, very different style from what I was used to with um, Tim and Tim and Andrew and their style of writing and their approach to rehearsal was very different from, you know, being with Tom. We've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, I'm not casting a pin. I, I had a great experience. I had an awesome time there. I loved No, they, I think they that, that's probably a group that has the most fun. Yeah, this thing we had a great time. Yeah, and it was so. It, but at the same time, it was so honed in. Like when I when I was when I started marching there, it was at the time they were like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna get this thing dialed in, right? So we're gonna we're gonna still have fun, but we're gonna we're gonna be here on time." Which was coming from my cadet experience, I was like, "Rehearsals five minutes ago, we're here now," you know. So, but I, I, still, the overall experience was different for me coming from cadets and then crown and. You know, it was just kind of another because experience. they're just less about blatant fun or what? I wouldn't say that. It's just the overall vibe or the overall feel is obviously innately different because it's WGI. So you have only the weekends. Uh -huh. So then the week is on your thing. Are you are you practicing all the time or are you you know are you working or are you teaching? And at the drum corps level, it's like all right, well, you're present. You can't go anywhere and we're going to control your time and when you eat and everything you do. So it's like, right. that's built in. So, 
Um, I would think too. Prison feel. Yeah. (laughs) I would think that the, uh, at least my understanding, I've never actually seen it happen, but that Rhythm X is a very um, um, designed through process and discovery. Yeah. And they they seem to start with a lot of clay Mm. and then kind of whittle it down where I think cadets, um, at least my understanding, is more more of a blueprint structured. It's probably a really good assessment. Actually a really good way to describe that process because... You're right, and that's. I think that's part of what helped me grow when I went to Rhythm X because it was a very different style of teaching and, and learning, I guess, on my mm-hmm. part. was very organic, I would say. Like you're saying, like more clay, and then it's kind of morphing into what it's going to be at the end. I mean, I remember even up to like finals night, they were like, oh, we're going to change this, we're going to tweak this, and you got to just buy in, and you're like, okay, we're doing this. It's different. Remember, all right, it's different. Yeah. And that, putting that pressure and, and asking the the students to kind of be professional enough to be up to that level kind of really helped me grow a lot. And that's when I realized it doesn't always have to be perfect. You can, you can change it and then you've got to be perfect when the time counts kind mm-hmm. of thing. So you had to be a little bit more on your toes and willing to yeah. turn on a dime? Right, I would say. And what, what would, using that same metaphor, how would you describe where Broken City sits? Ooh. Um, Is there clay involved? Oh yeah, there's there's lots of clay. It's certainly <laughs> there's certainly a lot of um, design and and dis- uh, through discovery yeah. um, and it's more like feeling around in the dark. Yeah, and then bringing <laughs> back the the point don't plan kind of mantra. Mm. Um, I just I get the feeling that uh, there's a lot more. Um, I think Rhythm X actually does this again. This is just as an outsider um, from what I've heard and, and from what I understand, um, they approach, maybe the way Broken City approaches visual, I think um, Rhythm X approaches music. Mm. I've heard that they do a lot of um, things on the fly musically, mm. which is super interesting. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll do like novelty things like that, but the the music is... I would say is pretty heavily composed on our end. Yeah. And and but it's it's in pencil if you you know. <laughs> so we get it out on the floor and it's like that's that's out that's that's out that's changing. Yeah. Um but the process like the initial like here's this stuff that we're going to do is composed and the visual portion is very um through discovery but yeah. my my understanding is that rhythm X has that approach with the music itself at times, maybe not all the time, which has always been fascinating to me. And I love that they have the courage and the, the, like the, they embrace risk on every level. So on a, on a rehearsal level, are they literally saying, okay, don't play that, play this on this bar, like literally rewriting something sometimes. Yeah. In a big chunk. What, at least when I was there, my experience sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, you know, we would have the music and we would practice and, you know, little things like tenor is always like changing things. So tenor players would be like, hey, let's, let's change this around on the fly. But then, you know, sometimes Tim would come in and say, hey, I kind of have this other thing. Let's try this. And it would turn into a session of kind of call and repeat. So he would play something. And then I remember one time he came in my first year uh, in the turning line. He was like, I don't like the way that sounds. And it was an ensemble rehearsal. And we were just like, all right. And so he started playing and we started doing the arounds. And he was like, why don't we why don't we step outside kind of thing? So then the rest of the ensemble kept going and the turn of line went outside and we changed the tenor feature. And then I remember this is really funny. I remember my first year, obviously, so I'm like nervous. I, I just want to fit in. I want to do everything right, coming from that cadet mentality. Yeah. And we come back in and he's like, All right, let's play it in front of everybody. And we like just learned it. And I was like, Oh no, come on. So the whole turning line just trying not to break and it just sounded so bad because everyone's so nervous, but it was it was it was like that experience for me, you know. Um, I remember auditioning. They did um, American Idol style. They would have one person on the stage in front of everybody that was auditioning, Whoa. and you would play a role open to slow, uh, to fast, to really fast, to kind of fast, to open again. And they'd be like, "All right, thank you. Next." Whoa! And I I have I had never <laughs> experienced anything like that. I was super <laughs> nervous, but that kind of experience, those kinds of things, like changing music on the fly and it's they kind of build it into their culture. I I, I would say, and 
at least for me, it helped me grow a lot as a performer, as a player. You know, it was cool experience. It's so interesting to see the the personality of whoever is running the program trickle down. Yeah, yeah, and it just because it just sounds like Tim. You know, (laughs) it's just. And it's so cool, and that's happening obviously with with every ensemble oh, yeah. in the activity. And you know, we were talking about Tom earlier. Same thing, yeah. like that that personality, and Colin coming in and making it his own thing. And, yeah, big time. Uh, it's 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 interesting. Like, there's that's definitely cool. no right way to do it, no wrong way to do it. It's, it's kind of like a band, you know. Like you get these weird combination of people, and it just yeah. kind of magically comes together. Everybody's different. Yeah, Ring, right. We got Ringo over here, and Paul. Yeah. <laughs> you, you imagine somebody. Telling Mark Knopfler that he's playing guitar wrong, <laughs> right. we never have all that that crazy finger picking. And I think you get such an interesting result when you approach anything creative and artistic with that willingness to change on the fly. Oh yeah, both ways are completely valid. Like having a vision for it and meticulously working it out and then presenting it, but also um, that's my favorite way to write songs and record is to integrate those process processes to the point where I can always kind of go, you know, change a lyric as I'm recording the song and change the melody and like switch everything around. And even just in, like I was showing you that knife that I made, yeah. like, I never design anything. I just kind of go, oh, I want this general object. And then I kind of go towards it and then I make a mistake and then yeah. I integrate the mistake into the final product. And it just, which is kind of like the, the way you do your visual stuff. You're able yeah. to like kind Lots of see of the mistakes fun. integrated, yeah. in the <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but just being able to see it kind of in it in the process of being formed, instead of using a program or envisioning it, right. you're like seeing the bodies do it. Right. I, I think That's embracing cool. like whoever you are and just running with it and and double down on what you are and how how you think and yeah and that's what works for me. And I I was just listening to a uh, a Getty Lee interview, which is super interesting. And he was talking about, um, there was one album where they went into the, uh, they went into the studio and decided to write the songs in the studio rather than prepare and, and rehearse and then show up and record. Right. And he said it was a huge mistake. Oh, really? Huge mistake. For them. Yeah, and they, they would never do it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it a recent album? Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember. To go back and listen to it, but just it stuck with me like that. That's them. Like Rush shouldn't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like it. Like I definitely am not the kind of person that can construct a blueprint and then have the form and build it. Yeah. Like it's got. Like I got to get in there and move stuff around and, like you said, make those mistakes. But I think when each each ensemble doubles down on their own personality, I think just the magic happens. Yeah. Kind of the key to life across the board, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Yeah. Well, it's funny too, thinking of uh, another parallel, you know, my wife um, teaches yoga and she teaches spin and she's super into that world, the health and fitness and, but in particular, the yoga thing. And, um, you know, she was just talking with friends. We were out for dinner the other night and she left this one place that she had been teaching at for a while and, you know, schedule conflicts or whatever. It was nothing bad, but she kind of just stopped teaching there. And her thing was like, they're so structured. Like managers would go in and take her class and be like, ah, oh, well, you missed that one count on the, like, oh, we, we kind of do it like this. Like it's very managing. formatted. Yeah. And in yoga, it's like, Whoa. dude, like I, this, like this is calling for me right now in yoga, right? It's like, this is what it needs to happen. You know, it's that kind of thing. And yeah. they were like, well, this, th- this is their structure, right? And it kind of goes back to like, well, it's it's four bars, not five. I need the I need the last bar to do this, whatever this moment, right? Mm-hmm. It's, so she left, and she's gonna look for other places that allow more creativity and allow more flow. And it's, you know, it's I thought it was kind of relatable. It's kind of interesting. To see yeah, that. totally. It reminds me too. The other day, I was trying to think of a gift for my dad for Christmas, and I was just blanking. You know, it happens. When you get old enough, you're like... Dads are tough. Dads, yeah, they buy whatever they want, and then whatever you get them, they probably don't even want. (laughs) So I was like, I'm going to buy him a project. So like, (laughs) I had a bunch of unique... So I had a bunch of like old, like teak. So I was like, I'm going to cut this up ready for him 
and give him some pieces of teak and say, build whatever you want, or I have an idea if you want. Like I inherited this old antique um, Derringer pistol from my grandma. Grandma was like into guns. Wow. And it's like, you could build like a cool like wall case for this or something. Yeah. Like, Ooh, that sounds cool. And at first he's like, oh, I don't want to do it. And then four hours later, he's like, I've been thinking about it. I've been yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> he planted so, the seed. Yeah. So the background of my dad is he's a nuclear refinery engineer. So oh retired. So those kind of things, like I knew if I planted that seed, yeah. it, would, it would go like and turn into something. Yeah. So I figured he would take the wood and just kind of think of something and start cutting it like I do. And by nighttime, he came in with a printed out CAD drawing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like perfectly, it was like at an angle yeah, and like all worked adopted. out. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Complete opposite. It was just hilarious. So that was his process. Cool. He wasn't going to cut a piece of wood until yeah. he had every dimension perfectly worked out so that he knew it would work. That's his process. Yeah. That's totally cool. Completely different. <laughs> At first, I had like handed him a problem. Like, Merry <laughs> Christmas, here's a problem. And it's better than getting somebody an errand. Yeah, that's true. Exchange this. Yeah. Return this. Exactly. So here's a question. <laughs> I'm always fascinated by drummers who love drumming and are super into it and who don't. Do you, do you play drum set? I don't. Okay. So. I want to play more. I probably, w I wish I, I wish I would, would have done more in high school. I wasn't in like the jazz band or what anything like that. What kept you from doing it? I just. Were you just drawn to the yeah, rudimental? The rudimental thing. I was so focused on, I was hyper-focused because like I was saying a lot of guys that were teaching me had gone through the cadets and had done the drum corps thing. And that's just, that kind of, I was, uh, captivated me. I was so, I was so enamored with that and wanting to be those guys. And I wanted to do that. So. I told myself the only way to do that is to focus on the rudimental stuff. And it, I, cool. yeah, you know, I kind of looking back on it, reflecting on those, those that time, I I, I kind of regret it a lot because really? I wasn't, I, I wasn't um, helping myself become a better overall musician. I was kind of just becoming a good drummer, right? Uh -huh. And like a rudimental drummer. And I know you can look at it a lot of different ways. Like, yeah, but, you know, I had a lot of cool experiences or afforded a lot of great experiences because of it, but. Um, yeah, I always wished I had more of a well, better rounded um, musicality about mm. myself when I graduated high school and, and went on. Although I didn't end up studying music, would have been nice to know how to you know play marimba a little bit or play more drum set. Is that, or that not sort of part thing. of the curriculum? I it is. It's <clears throat> funny because it is. You know, his whole thing, and this goes back to the traditional verse match grip, right? He teaches right. on match grip because it's more applicable to play other instruments. So we have, mm -hmm. you know, Tom's had kids through the years that were the center marimba, and then we're like, oh, I want to go play tenor drums. Okay, well, it, like literally, they they would do that, and um, that's kind of the thought process behind that. So he, it is kind of incorporated into the curriculum to play other instruments and play m more things, but. He sees your strengths and he'll put you on what you're comfortable with and what, to help you kind of grow with your strengths, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of yeah. sense. It's what interesting. Is, I don't remember that okay. transition because obviously I grew up playing match grip and had, I don't know, a good four or five years behind me. And then actually more than that, before I played snare, so traditional was like, there must have been a really weird period. I don't know if you remember it. I doubt you do. Where I just completely sucked at it, but I what, remember. I remember a face. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> what is it? I can't hide anything. Is it break fast? <laughs> that's, that's funny. I had a nickname. Yeah. Whenever I broke, I just would break really quickly and get back and get back. I try to hide it. Yeah. So Call me breakfast. Breakfast. Break huh? uh, no, you always would play. I can't believe I remember this. Um, whenever we had like a triple beat, like you would always. Play it like you're on drum set. You always accent the, the last note, and I, I cut Adam. <laughs> I always felt that. I always felt like that meant strength. Like I can. The third one is not the weakest. Drive to the, the strongest. Third note. Yeah, right. Uh, that's a different exercise. Yeah, you would always you'd always put a groove in there, like you know. <laughs> yeah, you'd always have that scoop. That was funny. A zillion years ago. So what was it about the drumming of, of like the drum core world that drew you? Because most drummers are drawn to drum set. Right. Was it the 
team mentality of it or was it the overall like holy crapness i want to be yeah. a part of that or i think at the beginning it was more that just being so uh you know excited by i went to see a drum corps for the first time in eighth or seventh or eighth grade or some sometime in middle school and just seeing that i was so captivated and i was like oh my god that's that's totally cool it's like, like seeing a killer goal. band you're just right. like i want to be a part of that that's what i want to Which do yeah. yeah and i didn't even think about you know the little steps to get there. I was like, this is just what I want to do. I'm going to keep working so and cool. do what I'm told by Tom to get there. <laughs> kind of thing really is like, you know, so I think that's sort of what it was. And then- um, How Was it in fourth grade or was it well, that later? So, so I started um, learning percussion in fourth grade with Tom, but yeah, I didn't see a drum corps until like middle school, like okay. eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. You were drawn to drums before that, but yeah. it didn't get like- Right. When you said- Earlier, you said uh, most kids are into drum set or start with drum set. I can't remember how you worded it, but just because pop music is so prevalent, you mm. just kind of see. I, it. I don't think that's the case. Like, because I, I will have at least one instance every season where I'll just kind of pull the group and say, you know, how many people here play drum set? And it's usually like maybe two or three mm-hmm. out of twenty or thirty. But if you were to uh, pull the entire U.S. of Drummers, oh yeah, yeah, be but more I, drum set than not, but right. But I've found that it's actually it's a, become a, a pretty big. small percentage of the marching arts drummers um, consider themselves drum set players. That's yeah. fascinating. It must be that. Well, here's a theory: <laughs> that drum corps and marching arts appeals more to a primal style of drumming, and it's almost like drum set is a more even though it's it's maybe the more there are more drum set players in in America, let's say, than marching artists, but yeah. there's something kind of more primal and like I'm just playing with my hands and it's part of this big thing. We're all together. It's well, like it's also a it's team music sport. as a team yeah, sport. Exactly. exactly. It's so interesting. Soccer yeah. versus bowling <laughs> or boxing. Yeah. yeah. Golf. Boxing. <laughs> <laughs> You're hitting things at least. Yeah. No, but it, it is a it is a good point. You know, I didn't I, I wasn't drawn to the rudimental drumming really to be like the world's fastest rudimental flam drum player or whatever. Mm. It was more of like, okay, the the goal is to march drum corps and I see this great thing happening, this sort of team camaraderie and family aspect of it. And I think looking back at it, I think that's what I was really drawn to was becoming a better, as good a member for the core as I could be. Oh, that's cool. You know, and I wasn't, I wasn't so focused on, you know, obviously in high school, I was hyper-focused on, like you were saying, the third act, the third beat is not accented. (laughs) Can we, can we get this figured out? I was super that person. I was super hyper-focused into being that. And as I got through, I realized it was more about the betterment of the whole group. I, I wanted to be a better member for the core and wherever I was at. So kind of became more for that for me about that for me that's really cool i don't know if if i'm remembering this correctly but tom ox he plays drum set oh yeah 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 Yeah, i heard that he's really drum set degree like super swing yep like jazz drummer yeah it's funny man he he never he doesn't play for the for the students or he does actually he doesn't I, I i don't think it really brushed off on me it brushed off on, on some other students like my buddy jeremy i was talking about earlier his dad came to nam show he's a drum set player because tom you know taught he went through the same uh um program with me through dartmouth and he played in the jazz group and he did the concert band stuff and he, he was picked to play drum set so he that kind of brushed off on him but it's funny i, was, I just this image popped into my head when you said this tom doesn't play for the group at all so you know, like the middle school band concert, you know, you'll see all the little middle school kids on the stage and they'll be pecking away and their bells or whatever. And there's Tom in the back, like laying down the groove for the whole band. Like, <laughs> all of these videos never surfaced. That's all. Awesome. I mean, come on. Yeah. So I need to see that. I know, it would be good to get yeah. that out. I'm you picturing- need to play for everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do. Just to keep them in time though. <laughs> all I need, yeah. One stick. Yeah. Two and four. Um, I just I picture like the Harry Potter thing, like with the whole Dartmouth mystique of uh, you know Potter. who gets chosen. Yeah, like yeah. who gets chosen to play drum set or tenors or ends up on marimba. <laughs> like you put the hat on. It is know, yeah. It is a little bit of that. Tom, Tom's hat tells you <laughs> you get knighted. You're in the <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, which house? Which house you belong to? And 
It is you that. Do he that. Has, it, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's funny. I was talking about it earlier, but he he picks the kids like pretty early on. He has he sees like, their strengths. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he sees Sends what we're saying for is, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not really cutting it. We're gonna get rid. No, he uh, he sees their strengths and what they're gonna be good at, and he like he'll say it to this day. You know, he'll he'll have kids in sixth, seventh grade, and he'll say, yeah, they're gonna be my my tenor player in high school, or they're gonna they're gonna be my marimba player in high school, and he he has it all mapped out like a five year plan like down the road. He, wow. he knows, yeah. There must be something he's seeing in them. He's been doing it for a while, man. He's got it figured out. Got the voodoo. Yeah. yeah. You had a the group right where you were voodoo. you were teaching the middle school into high school, right? <clears throat> yeah. Currently. Yeah, you're still doing it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I I've re-upped. <laughs> It's gone for a while. What groups are they? Um, it's uh, Warm Springs Feeds Vista, Vista Marietta. Okay, yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm down there. I've, I've got a team of people down there. Um, right. I show up mainly for uh, staging purposes and I handle just the, the organization as far as what they're playing, like set design, et cetera, yeah. curriculum, all that kind of stuff. Um but yeah, man, that's crazy. Yeah, it's a special thing. It it def I definitely see why. I mean, that's just that's like Tom's career. That's his thing. Is that yeah. he is the guy for the district. Oh, Starts yeah. him in fourth grade and takes him. It's absolutely yeah. a full time job. I don't know. I don't know how he did cadets on all top those of years it all, yeah. at such a high level. Yeah, um, and then managed all that. Yeah, and of course, you know, home life and all that. <laughs> All that balance, all that stuff too. Yeah, it's no, crazy. It's, it's yeah. The 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 city of Dartmouth is definitely lucky to have him there. I would say for sure. And obviously, everybody. He's so he, he's so welcoming. Like when I graduated, and I still wanted to be a part of it. It was like, yeah, I kind of like doing this teaching thing. He was like, well, come back and teach. Come out and back and help out. And because I had done the drum corps over the summer, and you know, he's he's all about keeping it going and, and bringing people in and. You know, like you're saying, you have your team. It's like, okay, you get the right people, and but you're open to, you know, people coming back and wanting to do, to do more and, and help out. And Does it feel like a family in yeah, a sense? I would say, yeah. yeah. It's kind of like a weird, weird. family that, where people <laughs> like leave but then come back. And Was like, uh, yeah. was Larrabee there when you were there? Yeah, he was. He was right in the pit stuff when I was. How did he feel about Tom taking Marimba players and putting them on stage? <laughs> I think the year that happened, Neil was not writing actually. But yeah, that's a good point. It wouldn't have happened. No. Well, it's two guys, two guys from Boston. Just you can imagine the rest. Yeah. So how now working at um, at Yamaha, do you balance playing, teaching? Is Yamaha the full time? Not very Mike could tell you. No. Um, yeah, I don't. It's been kind of full time for me. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, I shouldn't say kind of, it is full time for me. I really, um, I've only been with the company about two and a half years. So for me, it's just, focusing. just nose to the grindstone, want to make my name and, you know, try to do more and grow in the company. And that's for me that it goes back to the drum corps roots. It's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I gotta be comfortable and hone this in and kind of excel forward. So I've, I've tried in the and, and now I've tried to kind of dabble and get back into it. You know, like really? when I approached Mike and tried to help out with the Broken City some more Just when doing I came. a little bit and of teching little, type right, stuff here and there? A little bit here and there and yeah. not as much as I would like to. I'm sorry. But, you know, I just trying <laughs> you, you to get back in. Maybe like half a dozen rehearsals last year. Maybe, yeah. A, I mean, we, we, have a, we have a full staff. So, I mean, right. um, helping out when you can. Yeah. But I think the, That's cool. the cool thing just about like where you come from, where you are now and, and everything you're doing is the perspective. Because often we, we're, we're always talking about um, the struggling or starving artist types like comes up a lot, that whole concept, that type of person. Sure. But it's I'm always fascinated by someone who's so into the activity, but like yourself doesn't major in music um, and chooses a business career. Yeah. And then looking back, um, I'm just, I'm curious, like if you can just speak on like what this thing, this whole weird universe of marching percussion, like what it's done yeah. for you, the benefits for it. Because 
you know, if, if I'm, <clears throat> if I'm a young person, you know, listening to this, um, Hey, I don't, I might not know what my, my path is or yeah. where, what I want to be doing. And I, I've always thought that it's a, it can be a disservice to try to, um, push kids into being music majors and, yeah. and no, you gotta, you gotta do music and you gotta, you gotta mm. do something in education. Right. I'd hate to set up a kid to, to not be following his own, his own path or, right. you know, basically you don't want to prepare a kid to be unemployed <laughs> basically. <laughs> Cause those, those people that major in music and like, Hey, I'm going to be a performance major. And I'm yeah. like, that has to be in your soul and you have to, uh, this is a little Dave, Roll quote, but like you shouldn't, you shouldn't want anything back from it. Yeah, like there's no payoff. You know what I mean? Which is it's a that's a very unique type of person. You know? But yeah, and it's it's easy to say that too when you're per, from a perspective that you don't need to ask for things, right? Like Dave Grohl, it's like okay, he's in a pretty good situation, right? right? He, right. And I'm not saying that he's not right. I'm just saying you know for students like you're you mentioning performance majors, you know, so these kids are going they're doing a four-year degree and then they're doing a master's on top of that. So you're talking five, six years of school that they're focusing, hyper-focusing on performance and honing in their talents and what, what, whether they're playing bassoon or they're playing percussion or whatever. And a lot of times, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but the few conversations I've had with students, friends of mine, whoever that have uh, gone through uh, performance majors, they don't have the foundation to be like business sensible, right? So they're so hyper-focused on playing, but at the end of the day, you have you have to have a livelihood doing it, right? It's, I'm, I wouldn't say it's a sad truth, but it's the truth. You've got you've to be able to afford to do these things that you want to do, right? You've got to have a, a livelihood and a lot of them, you know, they don't know how to have a, a business type of conversation with somebody, hey, I need time to record or how do I negotiate or how do I talk or how do I sell a, an album or a CD? How do I promote myself? Those sorts of things. So um, yeah, it, it can, be, can be tough for those students a lot of times, but um, it's, it's not a mandatory pathway. No, it, certainly not. And so much of that comes down to temperament too. The artist's yeah. temperament is so the opposite of the organized businessmen's temperament. Oh yeah. Um, even just in the, in looking at the bi- the big five aspects, you know, it's like, People who are highly open, um, trait openness is like all about creativity and being open-minded. And it's often if you're high in that, you're low in conscientiousness, which mm-hmm. is like basically getting stuff done, being industrious, like oh, yeah. showing up on time, oh, yeah. you know, well, nailing it. Well, like, it's funny. Like I, I know a few friends that I, they're totally that person. Like my cousin is the total creative. Like he's just going to go with the wind and do and, and make killer content and do what he does. But at the same time, his girlfriend is like a nurse and she's mm. like, no, this is this time we have to be here. So it's like they, he tethered himself because subconsciously <laughs> he knows that he needs that, right? Totally. Like, Opposites so, attract. Yeah, man. And that's so. why so a great artist needs a great manager who's the opposite same. personality and yeah. temperament. But that, yeah, so to get back to your original question, yeah. though, like what do you feel like the activity kind of brought to you as a person, I guess, that enhanced or dehanced? Is that a word? Yeah, like what is, the, like <laughs> yeah. let's say... You know, I'm a parent yeah. and I have a 14-year-old freshman. Mm-hmm. Why should my kid get involved in this this weird universe? It's it's a really good question, you know. And I think the the obvious thing that a lot of parents look to when the kid goes to school is, oh my, kid, you know, maybe they'll play sports or maybe they'll get involved with something. And I think, um, at least in my experience in high school a lot of parents are so tunnel visioned and just saying, yeah, the football team or yeah, the basketball team, which are all great things in their own regard. Don't get me wrong. I love basketball. I play basketball every week, but the band and being involved in music just opens up a lot of different doors, I would say. And it's such a different experience than being on the football team where you might stand on the sideline for three years. Mm. Yeah. You're going to get a good work ethic, but it's not the same as being in the marching band. In my experience, Tom would always say, you've got, everyone's got to be the center snare, right? And in our language, you know, it's like the center snare is like the person in charge. Everyone's got to own, you know, their own roadmap, their drill, their music. You've got to own everything. You're on, a, you're on the spotlight. Like, what's the quote from the, the Jocko Willenick? We're, 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 we're just talking about that. That's the other guy I do the podcast with. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the guy that doesn't have yeah. uh, Parkinson's or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Alzheimer's? Yeah. can't even think of the right word. Anyway, yeah. It just it reminded me of a yeah. Jocko quote. Everyone's got to yep. be the same yeah. as now. And when you combine that team thing with an artistic endeavor, too, right. it's like something so unique about yeah. that. Something Magic. that's athletic. Extreme accountability, I think that's yeah. what it is. Extreme yeah. accountability. accountability yeah. Mixed with self-expression, right. mixed with um, the kind of expressing some other thing, like somebody else's music, putting mm-hmm. yourself into it. Very different than a, than a sport. There's oh, lots yeah. of great things you get out of sports, but... Absolutely. What do you feel like you take into it, even in your job in Yamaha? I guess you have a, a connection to the products, right? Yeah, oh yeah, big that's, time. That's intense. Yeah, which is cool. I mean, what, so the connection is, uh, for me, really unique because when I was going through drum corps, um, I, played on, uh, I played on Yamaha. The groups I was with are all Yamaha groups, so I was very familiar with the people at Yamaha, Joel Tetzloff in particular, and when he would come out, he would look at the gear and he was so, you know, into the product. And I was like, man, that's really cool. Like, you know, what do you do? And, you, you know, it's like, well, I do lots of things. I do everything, you know, pretty much what, I, what I'm doing now. And um, so the connection is, is pretty special to the product and it is, cool. it is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, get involved in music. <laughs> <laughs> do music. Do music. All right. I have three questions for you. We're going to wrap this thing up. Okay. Uh, three favorite songs. Go. Oh my god, um, I, I I can't. You have to. I, three <laughs> favorite songs of all time. Three favorite songs. If you just had to pick them right now on a podcast. I've been I've been liking a lot of hip hop. Ooh, so like, give them to me. Artists, even you can go artists. Jay Z. Yeah. I like Drake. I'm sorry. You're not the only one. <laughs> and uh, I like The Weeknd too. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, he's hip hop influenced, right? Yeah, pre pre popularity. Yes, pre popularity. Those albums, yes. are killer. Uh, do you know I, that Jay Z does? First I'm albums. sure you probably do know. He doesn't write anything down. It's all in his head. Does he really? Goes in the studio, no piece of paper, everything memorized. Jay Z. Yeah, there's some YouTube videos of it. Really? Yeah, and then he'll rewrite in his head. It's all like in there. Yeah, intense. I'm gonna look that up, but uh, I want yeah, because that that. Pre popularity weekend. I can't find the album, but hey, yeah. cool. Yeah. Okay, and then three favorite movies. Go. Oh, boy. Three favorite movies. Um, High school musical one, two, and three. <laughs> I don't know. I always like um like Forrest Gump was a really good movie. That's one of my top three. Yeah. Um Inception has got to be in there somewhere. And then uh there's got to be a movie that, like, when it comes on, it's like, yep, I'm watching it. Oh, it's um, it's probably like the Santa Claus one, the original one, Tim Allen. Oh, uh, I haven't even seen that. Oh, Is it great? I know it's a, like a Christmas movie, but yeah, it's just yeah. like classic, man. Like that comes on, it's like me and my sister. We know every word to that movie. It's your word. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Mike, three favorite movies? Oh my gosh, I feel like these things t- say a lot about a person. Uh oh. Anything by Wes Anderson. I really like the uh, um, Grand Budapest Hotel. That yeah. one, yeah, that's, that's I haven't up. seen that yet. I gotta see that's it. in there. Um, I, it, I always default to two thousand one Space Odyssey. Ooh, yeah, what and then uh, I don't know what would be next. Something I would watch no matter what if it's on. So it's like kind of a car chase movie, but there's something about it I love, and it's uh, Ronan. Yeah, it's a great, like that one? great movie. Yeah, it's it's just where it was based. It's possibly I have a little nostalgia because it's there a lot of a lot of scenes were shot right where I was living when I was in mm. Paris drumming from huh. for uh, David Halliday. But that's a cool one. But yeah, so I saw the neighborhoods. I'm like, ah, that's that's right. I know where that is. You know, yeah. And there's a little connection, and you know, Audi. S8, can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. cool. Those car chase scenes are amazing. Yep. Shawshank, Braveheart, maybe Road to Perdition, but maybe uh, Crumb, the documentary. It's amazing. What? Crumb? I haven't seen that. Never seen it? <laughs> Robert Crumb, the, uh, the guy did, uh, uh, I think it was Where's... He did Keep on Trucking, that classic. Oh, I think I have seen that. Crazy. Yeah, it comes from an 
insane family. They were all yeah. abused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a brilliant cartoonist, that's, that's satire. Like at least 10 years old though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I saw that. Great film though. Yeah. All right, last question is, if you had to get eaten and killed by an animal, what animal? I don't know. How do you want to go down, man? Quick. Quick? Okay. What would that be? Like a tiger? You just go for my throat? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Tiger. Like Bing, a lion tiger. Uh, You've already answered this, but go again. What's, what's what did today's I say? Animal? I don't remember. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> um, Shark? Polar bear? Just take Ooh, me out. Yeah, one one slap. Rough. Boom. Done. <laughs> Although, I think it'd be I think it'd be pretty fun to get bitten in half by a hippopotamus. Nah. Just to kind of see my torso I mean, over uh, there. Crushed in half. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, but they only you have might like three teeth. That. Pinched in half. That's true. They have those like just a yeah. couple snaggle tooth. What's that other teeth. Leo movie where he's he fights the bear? Oh. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Revenant. 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 Yeah. Good. Something we could think of. <laughs> yeah. Worse. That attack is crazy. But he survives it. Supposedly. All right. That's a good that's let's end on death. <laughs> there it is. We have no questions this week. No, I didn't I didn't we shoot didn't, out we the didn't prepare. Uh, oh, we next had time good ones. next time we'll we'll answer questions. Yeah, that's why I made up a few. No. <laughs> All right. It's good. Paul, great to have you, man. Great to be here. Thank you. That's cool. Thank you so Mike, much. Really nice meeting you, man. Good night and good morning. Yeah.